themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year. And Golden State. Welcome to Views from the Clutch. I go by the name of Smart Alex. I'm here with my brother from another. See, Grant, what's going on? We're back with another edition of Views from the Clutch. As always, I'd like to take this moment out to say thank you to our supporters, listeners, and subscribers. If you'd like to join us, you can do so by following us on any of the podcasting platforms we're hosted on. You can also reach us directly at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at Views from the Clutch on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Yeah, man. Playoffs soon approaching, man. What we gonna do now? Yes, sir. This is the this is the final weekend. This is the home stretch for a lot of teams. NBA season is coming to a close, uh, and it's in the second season, which some players consider the real season, is about to start. Um, how many games on the docket today? The NBA made a. a to uh, put a lot of games on before the um, Hall of Fame uh, comes mm-hmm. on, which pretty much a lot of games are on between 1 o'clock Eastern time or 2 o'clock. There's only one game actually that's on tonight at 8 p.m. That's a big game. It's uh, Miami and against Milwaukee. But mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll – but it seems like every every team is now – been identified for who makes well, let's say this the 10 teams are established. Those 10 teams, none of them can step out and miss the playoffs. Every team that missed out on 10 are eliminated. But the only thing now is these games are vital because position is still not fully identified. So there are that need to either win games or some teams strategically might want to lose. To avoid certain matchups in the first round, I mean, I think that I think um, there's a possibility that the Clippers, who are currently the fourth seed, they might actually end up losing so they could stay the fourth and and pl- and play against possibly Dallas as mm-hmm. up to third and playing running into the chance to play in Portland or the Lakers. So, now, that, that, that. what did Smart Alex talk about since the beginning of the season about how teams were going to start to strategically shift themselves for the sake of avoiding matchups? And it doesn't seem it doesn't seem realistic when you talk about it beforehand because you you say to yourself, "Oh, why would my team do that? Or why would any team be scared to play this team?" Oh, it's real. It's real. There's just certain things you don't want to do to start off your playoffs. And there are certain matchups with whether it be the coaches, whether it be the players. You know, Los Angeles, the Lakers did themselves a, a real disservice with that situation with Portland, losing that game. Like, that's the pivotal game because right now it comes down to, what, the last game of the season? Portland has mm-hmm. to win 
Lakers have to win for them to avoid the play-in game. That's the only that's the only foreseeable outcome where the Lakers avoid the play-in game is they win and Portland loses. Am I correct? Yeah, but I, I think uh, I think what it is is Lakers. Um, actually, no. The, the yeah, the, it's tomorrow night where both of they won't find out. Until come on at the same time. So it's going to be a situation where you're going to see probably uh, the Lakers or even Portland scoreboard watching. Well, Portland the thing has a is, of situation. Portland, Portland is at home because they play the Nuggets in Portland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so but they have, they have not beaten the Nuggets this season either. Is that going to be a 9 p.m. Eastern game? So it'll be 6 yeah. in Portland? Uh-huh. And then, yeah, so they match them so that yeah, they'll both be scoreboard watching. Um, ooh, and the Pelicans, they no longer have anything to play for. So do yeah. you try? Do you try your your best players out there for this game? The situation with with the Pelicans was a lot of their they, so they were done mm-hmm. for the season. Zion's done for the season. Ingram wasn't playing. Lonzo wasn't playing. You got Josh Hart that's not playing. Steven Adams, I think, is out. That's their starting five right there. So you're playing with backups. And it's going to help. I mean, I think for the Lakers, though, AD's going to have to play. I mean, and, and uh, Schroeder, they all ended up playing today, and they beat the Pacers. But right. these, these are times where these avoid playing those additional games. So about going into the playoffs, you want to try to be and they healthy. Also, and they also could stand to be, you know, uh, have better chemistry. The, the more, I mean, the more meaningful games you play together, the more likely you are to play better when, when it matters. So these games all matter, and they're all coming back at a time when everything matters. Denver is in a curious position because both them and the Clippers are tied. So Denver wins. The three gets the six. So they essentially... By playing Portland and trying to win that game, are choosing to play the Lakers. Exactly. You get what I'm saying? No, I totally if, get it. If Denver goes out, if Denver goes out and tries to win that game, that's almost their way of saying indirectly because I can't speak for them, but that's indirectly their way of saying us beating Portland is our way of saying we'd rather play the Lakers. Yeah. That's why. That is yeah. Wild. So, but see, that's that's why, if you are, if you are, um, if you if you're Denver, the reality is, you would like your chances against Portland than the Lakers in a seven game series to start out. The defending so, NBA champions versus versus the Portland Trailblazers. I think I would take the Portland Trailblazers too. So, do you think Denver goes out there and lays an egg? Because the Pelicans aren't going to be putting up much of a fight. So, best case scenario for Denver is they lose to ensure that no matter what the Lakers do, they get Portland. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they, by default, are going to give Portland the better record because remember, Portland has the the, 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 um, the tiebreaker. Yeah, they won the tiebreaker when they won that last game. 
and Portland can was, only right. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Well, no, no. But this is why. Listen. Hats off to the NBA, right? Because mm-hmm. this time that we've talked about matchups and playoff implications in the last few games of the season, saying that hey, these games matter. Involving the seven. Exactly. So yes, from a player standpoint, but, yeah. Remember, no, but this 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 is the whole. Remember, there's there's a couple things that we have to like also put out there so that people are aware of the ramifications of how how crazy this can get. The lowest seed to ever win an NBA championship is what seed? I don't know. Actually, I thought was, I was gonna ask you that. I thought it was, six thought it was like a six Rockets. seed, right? They won back to back. Do you believe guess, Rockets? Yes, that was... they were the six seed. Mm-hmm. If Boston, Charlotte, Washington, Indiana in the East, mm-hmm. Lakers, Warriors, Grizzlies, Spurs. If any of those eight teams were to win the world championship, they would immediately become the lowest seed ever in NBA playoff history to win an NBA title. The Lakers is currently configured are the defending NBA champions, and they're likely to be the seventh seed to open the playoffs. And I'm pretty sure Vegas is going to favor them against whoever they match up against. You give them Denver, you give them Phoenix, I'm pretty sure the odds are not going to push against. And I'm just talking from a sports betting perspective. I'm not saying on paper because we all know what Phoenix has done this season. And I would be hard pressed mm. to root against Phoenix where they're basically fighting for the number one seed going down to well, they can't win it, right? Do they have a tiebreaker? Uh, if they win their uh, game. Yeah, I gotta check that. Because I know they're currently one game behind they're one game they're in second place. A game behind mm-hmm. by one by one game against Utah. I'd have to double check the season series. I don't really because know. I think there's a similar situation in the East. Brooklyn is only down one game, but I believe their situation is set. So even if they win and they wind up tied, Philadelphia owns a tiebreaker because there's yeah. a Z next to their playoff. Mm-hmm. But is that Z? Z is that Z yeah. open for? Is that Z? Z is so Good. Okay. No, no, no. I have to double check that Z on. No, to see, there's no Z for Utah. Right. So the Utah, the Utah situation is still up in the air. Mm-hmm. So that that probably means that Phoenix owns a tiebreaker. So if Phoenix wins and Utah loses, the tiebreaker probably goes to Phoenix. That's the only reason why they don't have a clinch. Because exactly. Phoenix is still within the game of winning. So Phoenix could do themselves a big time favor by getting the hell out of the way of the seventh seed. Absolutely. Because to be honest, now see they the um Phoenix plays San Antonio in San Antonio. That to get the number one seed again, because you're trying to set yourself up strategically to Possibly avoid the Lakers, but let's let's be honest. This, the Lakers, as of right now, if it started today, 
they would play Golden State again in the I mean in the playing game, which LeBron his teams. I'm just going from last year. Normally in the series, LeBron loses the first game. Now that you could take with a grain of salt because LeBron knows what's at stake. Win, you don't have to play no more. You still get about four to five before you actually start the playoffs. Whereas if you lose, you now have to play, I think it's either the following night or a night after, or two nights after, chance of the eighth seed. So I think but the, gamesmanship doesn't, the gamesmanship doesn't end there because here's the thing. Seven, eight, nine, ten. It doesn't necessarily hurt you in that seven, eight game to lose the first game. If you don't want to play, whoever winds up finishing the season at number two, maybe you don't kill yourself to win that first game. So if you're Golden State or Los Angeles and you're looking at, okay, we win this game, we have to play Utah. We feel like that's a bad matchup. Do you Mm – okay, now, because remember, there's a push level with these bottom three teams. I'm pretty sure Golden State believes in a one-game playoff. They can beat any one of those. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're confident enough they could go out and win a game against Memphis if they needed to, win a game against San Antonio. So yeah. I'm pretty sure the Lakers feel that way too. Yeah. So there could be some gamesmanship going on in this 7-8 game alone. Because, again, like I said, LeBron has tactically chosen his first-round matchups or their path to the playoffs. He did it in the Cleveland situation when he came back. It was evident that that's what was going on. They were positioning themselves to get certain matchups to make their path to the, the finals a little, you know, a little less trying or a little less difficult to, to fathom. Absolutely. They, they yeah, absolutely. targeted Toronto. We know that. So I can see Steve Kerr and the Warriors thinking the same thing. Nobody probably wants to deal with Utah in the first round. If you had a choice between Utah in the first round of Phoenix, what, what would you choose? Let me say this. Utah without Donovan Mitchell, I think I would choose. No, actually, if I if I am if I'm Golden State, I'm going with the I'm you know why? Because experience. Utah well, exactly, experience, but then also Utah is more of a defense and they're gonna and they're all taller. You know what I mean? Naturally a team than the Phoenix Suns. And like I said, I as of right now, Donovan Mitchell has not been cleared to come back. So that's the only mm-hmm. chink in Utah's armor. But yes, if I had to choose, if I'm Golden State, yes, Chris Paul, Phoenix, if I'm Steph, that's who I want to play. Because I feel like... I, I think the opposite, though. Because remember, Utah's def- yeah, because Utah's defense is, is buoyed upon Rudy Gobert's ability to defend at the rim. It's not like – I don't know statistically how, how well they defend the three, but now you have to look at their perimeter defenders because, listen, Golden State's offense is predicated on how many made threes they're going to make. Is Steph going to go out yeah. there and make 10 triples in a game or are the Warriors combined going to make 15 triples in a game because there's a certain level of space you get and how many threes you can make in a game as far as, like, room for error. Your margin for error increases as you make a certain amount of threes over the period of, you know, the course of a game. 
So I don't, let's see. I'm just going to see if I can pull team stats real quick to give everybody that metric. So you're saying you think Utah presents a better matchup for Golden State because they can't match up against the matchup against Golden State, whereas Phoenix can possibly easily switch to a small ball lineup and match up more favorably with the Warriors. You're saying? So I'm going to pull this. The Utah Jazz are the second best percentage-wise at defending the three-pointer. So, no, you probably don't want to have to deal with them if they're guarding the three at 34.2% allowed versus Phoenix, who was giving up 35, almost 36. And they're giving up three-pointers made. They're giving up 12 a game, Phoenix, and Utah is giving up 11, 10.9. They're allowing 32 a game, and Phoenix is allowing 33. So as far as a team that's predicated the way Golden State is on scoring from the three-point percentage, you probably do want to play Phoenix because their perimeter defense is going to give you a slightly higher margin for error based on how they well defended it in the regular season. Again, we, 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 you mentioned youth early about Phoenix. Golden State mm-hmm. has that experience. We don't. We've in never seen that. Okay. They only have it in two out of their premium starters. So you got Draymond and Steph who know what they're doing and have won titles and played into June. Everybody else on that Golden State roster is kind of, you know, plug and play. Andrew has yeah, yeah. as much as any playoff experience. The one oh, that he had to get a Jimmy he ran him out of the yeah, you know, he's not no no yeah, yeah. no trust me. I, I think he's gonna Kelly Oubre. Wow. Kelly Oubre, you know, we we know that he's technically he's on their roster, but he doesn't play for the Golden State Warriors. You know, based off of the yeah. things that he said and his behavior pattern over the season. Like it's hard to imagine Kelly Oubre being really well engaged. But you know, the playoffs bring out different animals. Maybe Kelly Oubre locks in knowing that. He's got some things on him, you know, that he's playing for for, for high stakes. And gives well, he's them probably playing for a second check. Correct. But I don't, you know, again, we don't, he doesn't want to come back without the opportunity to start. He's already not started. So there's there's a level of take take what you've been given and enjoy it that's going on with that whole Kelly Uber situation. Um, yeah, I think if you're Golden State, you probably you probably want to play hard if you see that Phoenix is the number two seed at the end of the season. You probably lock in you would prefer to play against them rather than Utah with or without Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, you probably lose you, you, you probably lose in, in the ability to outscore because you know Utah is a little bit more predictable without Donovan Mitchell and your ability to defend probably gets a little bit easier. But it looks like they're going to give you the same level of intensity with or without him out there defending, making it that much harder for you to score across seven games. So across seven games, you probably do want to take Phoenix and see if you can work them out because their experience level is low. Well, again, I think so, yeah. I, I think Phoenix is too. That's the one that you That's the blood in the water team. They don't have the experience. See them play, you know. Okay, if I can. 
Meanwhile, so let, let's go to the other side. Let's go to the nine ten teams. So now you've got um, you got John Morant versus the Spurs and, and what they've got going on, playing for that eighth spot. The right to play for that eighth spot. Yeah. Oof. So they've got to win two games. Do you favor? Do you favor? Uh, who do you favor in that game? Do you favor Memphis or versus San Antonio? Who do you, who do you favor? Man, I like yo. I like Memphis. It's something about Memphis that they they're not the the grit and grind with Zach Randolph and Tony Allen and uh, Mike Conley and the and Paul Gasol. But they got that. They got that attitude. That that fire. Like missing, in my opinion, Memphis. I think in a few years are going to be is going to be a top tier team. Just because I feel like they're missing is experience and just maybe like another like a dog off the bench, like a score off the bench, like something. Because I feel like Ja that backcourt is out, in my opinion. You know, I feel like they can but I I think I think I'm going with Memphis. They're cool and I feel like they could do some stuff. I just don't trust the Nets. I've seen them lose too many games, almost where they they just didn't seem like they were really involved. As far as winning percentage says enough. You're talking about Memphis, who it's five games over. They're, they're five games over 500. They're one game that they they're a tiebreaker behind Golden State. So it's yeah. almost unfortunate that they've got to prove themselves against the Spurs. The Spurs are playing with house money. Mm-hmm. But also, that's money. see, but that's also something for Memphis to do is to get to the A. You ramp up the situation with uh, only having to play one game. Whereas, if you even if you lose, say for instance, Memphis gets to number eight and Golden State's open against the Spurs, Memphis could say, "Okay, we could lose to the Lakers, but then we play." Um. We would play Golden State. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to, you know what I mean? I think, I think what, it, regardless, it's, regardless, well, no. we're going to win next. that first game. You're good. And that's seven, I mean. eight. That, and that's what I'm saying. So, so Memphis is going to try with the mindset of, yo, let's try to go for number eight. So we could just go battle the Lakers and try to beat the Lakers. Like, you know what I mean? Like you understand who that game is against. Those two teams are playing each other for that eight spot. I didn't even know, I didn't even realize that they play against Memphis and the Golden State Warriors. That's what I said. I set you up so lucky. Oh, I didn't even know that. And Golden State are matching up for the right for that eight seed. Yeah. It's winner take all. It's It's winner take all. Yeah. When it gets number eight and the opportunity to, to control your destiny at a much at a much more palatable level than being the ninth tenth. So essentially when Golden State and Memphis win, you play, right? The winner of that game gets to say, All right, like you said, we have a chance to chase the seventh seed. Or if we're we have a two game window. We have a two game window to decide our fate. And guess what? If we lose this first game, we see the winner of this game that we're playing tomorrow again. Mm-hmm. 
Because, okay, so let's say again, you beat Golden State, right? So now you're in the 7 8 game. If you're Memphis, you beat, you beat Golden yeah. State, you're in the 7 8 game, you got to play against the Lakers. Win or lose that game, you lose that game, you're going to play the winner of the 9 10 game, which is going to be the winner of Golden State and San Antonio. Or yeah. you lose that game as Memphis and you go play because the Spurs aren't going anywhere. You're going to play the Spurs. Yeah, yeah you exactly. beat them. You beat them, and then you have to beat the winner of Golden State and the Lakers play. Ouch, man. Ouch. No, no, no. You play the loser of Golden State. Yeah. Seven. Golden State. Number seven, seven, eight is whoever right. wins seven, eight. Right. You're right. You're right. So, so it'll be interesting because, because it makes you, can you talk about seeing each other multiple times in a short period of time with different stakes on the line each time, but all of them valuable. Oh, so right now, exactly, Golden exactly. State and Memphis see each other for the right to decide where they're going to sit. <laughs> Yo, this is crazy. This is crazy. It's crazy. The NBA definitely pulled a whodunit. And, you know, I, I hope there's audio for that famous LeBron clip. Whoever came up with this should be fired. <laughs> I need that audio. I need that audio. That is probably yeah, because let's let, let's yeah facts. Let's transition though because we could spend the whole podcast just talking about the the Western Conference setup. But let's move over mm-hmm. to the East, which the East has a lot of stories within itself, also because yeah. uh, uh, huh? I said yes. I agree with you. So. So the only position that is set is right. You got all the playing. All everybody that's supposed to be in the playing tournament is going to play. But those Milwaukee positions, said it. huh? Milwaukee's the third seed, no matter what. I don't think. Yeah, that, 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 no, no. So then, so then two. No. Um, no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you two and three are set. One, two, and three are set. Yeah. So. One, two, Let's check out four, five, and six. That is interchangeable. Currently, right now, the Knicks are in the fourth seed because they own the tiebreaker against the mm-hmm. Hawks, right? Their record is 40 and 31, mm-hmm. right? Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Same record as the Hawks, but the Knicks own the tiebreaker. But if Miami is to win tonight against if they're to win again tonight against Milwaukee, Miami will actually the Knicks will drop to sixth because Miami owns. It's weird how they explain it. Miami owns a tiebreaker against the Knicks, right? But even though the, the Knicks own the tiebreaker against the Hawks, Atlanta has Atlanta and Miami have a record than the Knicks, so that's why Atlanta mm-hmm. would move up to four. Miami will go to five, and New York will drop to six. So let's check this out. Milwaukee might look at it. Milwaukee plays the Heat tonight. Milwaukee might want my in because maybe like, yo, we like our chances against the Knicks better than Milwaukee playing the Miami in the first round. Trick bag because being at the Knicks. The Hawks have the Houston uh, to end the season. I mean, we've seen some strange things. 
so I can't even, you know, can't call it. But this will be interesting for Milwaukee. If Milwaukee says, yo, we're sitting our starters, going to let our bench get out because they like their chances to open the, the first round. Again. Like you said, that, that goes team's positioning because Milwaukee might say, yo, the Heat first round. We'd rather see the Knicks. Maybe they feel, you know what, we don't like the, the Eastern Conference champions in the first round. We'll like our chances against the Knicks that don't have that experience, and they might look at their matchups being more favorable. That's where he's going in there to win. They have to win because if not, then they definitely play Milwaukee in the first round. Well, yeah, because if no, no, no. Yeah, actually, yes. Regardless, if if Miami loses tonight, No, it's still oh man, wow, see that's crazy. So Miami has to Miami has to win tonight and tomorrow. Lose tomorrow. I mean if they lose tonight and then the Knicks win, then the Knicks are the fourth seed, right? And so basically like whoever you have to have everybody else win. That's what's so crazy. You can't have you can't have anybody if the Knicks they need help. They need Milwaukee. They need Miami to lose tonight or tomorrow. But they have to win. Or the Hawks. They need the Hawks to lose tomorrow. And they still have to win. Like I said, so the Knicks are losing to the Lakers. They don't control their own destiny. Again, tomorrow counts. Tonight counts, but from Milwaukee's standpoint, if you're Milwaukee, who do you think you want to see in the first round? Do you want to see the Knicks, or do you want to see Miami? You gotta tell me. No, if I'm if, if I'm Milwaukee, I, I don't think Milwaukee has anything to do with, with with Miami. But that's my point. That's my unless point. they're looking for you know some sort of revenge blood, which. Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's one thing. It's going to be very interesting. See, the Knicks matchup, they, say, they want to play the Hawks, right? Because they feel like that's the team that they could match up better against, and they feel like the of the Hawks and the Knicks coming into the playoffs, they like their chances as opposed to the Knicks taking out Milwaukee in the first round. That's a hard, that's a more difficult mountain to climb. So if you if lucky, you probably you probably lose tonight, so that you you get the Knicks to be the sixth seed. Because again, the Knicks, even though and Derrick Rose and a few other players have playoff experience, that's still the stars of the team don't. So it will be interesting to see what happens because, like I said, as a Knicks fan, Knicks are the fourth seed, obviously, so they can host 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 the first round, and they have in the first round. So if a game goes seven, it's in the Garden Game Seven in the. Uh, but again, I think the Milwaukee matchup is more than Knicks. I mean, it's definitely doable because they beat Milwaukee this season. It's also just a different mindset and that level of intensity, and I think. Again, the matchup, the Knicks versus the Hawks, 
for the Knicks is a better matchup. Whereas Milwaukee is a more difficult matchup for the Knicks. I mean, but like I said, I, I'm still rooting for my Knicks regardless. But if I had to take Atlanta or Milwaukee, I'm going to take Atlanta. I'd rather face Atlanta. I mean, that's just straight up. So we'll see. There are also the uh, Charlotte, the Wizards, and the Pacers. If the Wizards, actually, if the Wizards win tomorrow, and they play, they play Charlotte. So, so again, we talked about that playing seed. Charlotte currently is the seventh seed against Boston, right? Boston has a myriad of injuries for the season. His wrist is uh, he's got to get surgery on his wrist. Boston looks like they're a mess. He is one of the hottest teams in the league in the last month. The Wizards, in my opinion, I think they're going to try to beat Charlotte tomorrow and try to go in to pl- to beat the Celtics in that playing tournament because Bre- a healthy, healthy Russell Westbrook, I don't know if that Celtics got enough firepower to stop. And now those two dudes, we've seen it before. Court could get you 80 points real quick. You know, it could be an 80-point triple-double in that backcourt. You know what I mean? It, like, it, it can happen. At least a 60-point, you know, 50 to 60-point easily. Heck, the other night, when Russell Westbrook uh, tied the record, uh, David, I mean, Oscar Robinson's triple-double record, Bradley had 50, and he had 30. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? He had 30-point triple-double. So it just goes to show you that a lot can happen. Um, is the key. If whoever wins tomorrow's game between the Hornets and, and the Wizards is the AFC. In Boston, like I said, they're limping. So I would not be surprised. Honestly, I would not be surprised if Boston gets knocked out at this playing tournament because if Boston, let's just say the way it's, the way it's constructed right now. Let's say Charlotte. Well, you don't think Boston's going to make it? I, no, I'm saying I would not be surprised because Boston yeah. Because I can see Boston losing to the Hornets. Again, Jalen Brown's not out, not playing. That's mm-hmm. 25 to 30 points. That's your second best option, mm-hmm. scoring option. You don't really have a bet. The Hornets, the Hornets are, they're hungry. You know, they, they're getting healthier. He's going along. LaMelo Ball. Correct. Mm-hmm. That's a matchup that's going to be very intriguing to see. But like I said, let's say hypothetically speaking, the Hornets beat the Celtics, and let's say mm-hmm. take care of the Pacers. I can see the Wizards beating the Celtics. Oh yeah, that's you give saying. Russell Westbrook, you give Russell Westbrook a runway <laughs> with a clear target to run over, and Bradley Bill, somebody like I, again, the Wizards are a team where. They are very, 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 very dangerous based on matchups. Mm-hmm. And you give them a team where you have trouble defending those two guys, they're going to run wild on them. So who would Boston defend Washington with? Okay, well, you dedicate one guy to ooh, what? Kimba's going to deal with Russ? No. No. You're okay, going well, to put Kim, you're gonna put Russ. And then you would put Tatum. No, you're not. 
So who would you put? You gonna put Tatum on Bill? Yeah, because you you well, let me say this. You might free up Tatum and not put you might put Tatum on like Hachimura or something. Somebody that's not gonna be match. We've already we've already cooked Boston. If I can make your three slash four guard my starting two guard, and my two guard is six three, which is what Bradley Bill is. Yeah. We won. We won. We won already. If Jason Tatum has to step outside of his position to guard down, that one game matchup is over. And that doesn't matter if you have to put him on Russell Westbrook. Now, mind you, I'm not saying that you can't do that and get away with it to close out a game. Of course you can. You put your best yeah, players yeah. on your best players to close out games to win possessions. But for 48 minutes, oh, no. No, no, no. You, yeah, you cannot yeah, cross match up with a team like Washington. Russell yeah, will kill you. No, he'll kill you in transition alone. He'll kill no, you in right. transition alone. And, and you know, Brad, Bradley Bill, he runs – he's probably the, the second, if not the first, best off-ball player in the league right now as far as his symbiosis with coming off the of screens and getting himself open. Like, the things that he does, you know, there are very few players left in the league. Who, like, you know, he's from the cloth of the, rich, the, the Richard Hamiltons, the, the Reggie Millers, the – you know, yeah. even Devin Booker early. Mm-hmm. You know, Devin Booker early on. Where now Devin Booker is just kind of like he's just so damn good that like he can just go to a spot on the court and he's so conditioned. He's gonna and he's big, so he doesn't have to work as hard as a Bradley Bill does to get an open clean catch. Bradley Bill is, and Bradley Bill scores a lot off of not clean catches. You gonna cross match oh, yeah. him with somebody who's not no. as fast? Oh, let me let me say this. Let me say this. Let me because I'm also I was also thinking Jalen Brown's not be there, but no, since Brown is not there, yeah, it's gonna be. See the problem with the okay, the problem with the Wizards, it's their backcourt, and then it's like nothing else. That, yeah, you literally have you have guys that you have to get rolling. That's I mean, listen, it's amazing that Russell Westbrook. And his last game has been averaging like 14 assists. Or, you know, because I'm mm-hmm. looking at the people that he's been giving the ball to, and I'm like, yo, these guys, you have to spoon feed them. Because mm-hmm. none of them are comfortable with saying, okay, maybe some couple of open wide threes. You get him a couple of open looks, he might be able to do something. But that's a slight. I've been seeing him this season, and he's been somewhat erratic, you know. But he never know. Hachimura, he's a good player, but I don't know if he that stage yet. Again, and Rory, Rory still needs to have that threat because remember what Rooney, what, what Rory is, is a tweener. Yeah, and when you're a tweener, most of your, most of the refinement in your game comes from close to the basket. People tend to back up from him, so he's only six eight. But he's got a Giannis-like post game. I've said this numerous times. His moves on that block area are really, really hard to combat. If he gets you down there big or small, he's just – he's talented enough with his post game to get off good shots. But most teams force him to, to make jumpers. Yes. Until Rory gets to that point where teams are afraid of him shooting any type of contested jumper and they start to give him that fair, that fair play space – it's gonna be it's gonna be easier to guard him. 
And I think you do that now. You sacrifice that. I would rather give Rui a jumper right now than anything else. Anything else. Exactly. What Wizards have been doing with him is they've been posting him up at the free so he can can operate very close to the basket. And if not, he can hit throw jump shot. So I've been noticing that they've been Mm -hmm. doing that a lot. So Mm -hmm. Scott Brooks is looking to do that against, you know, Celtics, that's what he's going to have to do. He's, they're going to get that third option going. Because, again, we're talking about one game to mm-hmm. advance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're, playing, you're playing these games to one, you know, then possibly play another game to advance. And yeah, then, right yeah. So, again, so I think you got to get those guys going. But the fact that Russell Westbrook, you know, he's going to be on a crash course. He's going to want to play as hard as possible so they can get that um, – they can get to the playoffs. They can even – he would love – that's what I'm saying. He's going to play like a madman tomorrow to try seventh seed. He wants the seventh seed to see KD in the play, KD and James in the playoffs. I mean, it's going to be – it's going to be up – but Russell Westbrook – of those people, well, he's he's looking for the smoke. He he listen, Russell section. You know what I'm saying? You know, you go to the airport and there's a little section for people that can smoke, even though the rest of the airport you can't. He's one of those people. He like he lighting up. He got the smoke machine. Forget that. Like, so I think he's, you know, he's trying to make Charlotte. And they play Charlotte. So what we're looking at is if the Wizards win that game, then they put themselves in a position to be the 7-8. The 7-8. And they play Boston. And they're going to be looking to take Boston's head off. Mm -hmm. And like I said, let me say this. this, Again, the NBA tipped my hat off to them. And granted, they didn't know Mm -hmm. what what these men I mean, let's be honest. You know, nobody knew the Wizards would even be this hot because what was it prior to April around? I don't think we have one projected playoffs. No, not even close. Remember, we were telling Bradley Bill again at All Star break. We said, "Yo, this dude better get out of town." So the fact that they could they they went on a they they next to the Knicks, they were the second highest team, but the Knicks had. Wizards had won eight straight. So mm-hmm. the, the Wizards have been hot. Chugging along, just keeping their head down, waiting for the right time to, to strike. appear on people's calendars, and here they are. But I yeah. think I think that that definitely, to me, is more intriguing. If Russell Westbrook manages to put his head down and drive the Wizards into a first-round collision with the Brooklyn Nets, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter what the outcome of that series is. The fact that he did that, well, you know, we're not going to give him all the credit. Obviously, Bradley no, is a phenomenal player. But the fact yeah, that he, that's classic Brody, right? There. That is classic Brody. That's undeniable Brodiness right there. So, Absolutely. that's, that's, I definitely, that's I definitely can imagine him. I mean, and again, we haven't even taken time out to say, you know, shout out to, Shout out to and salute to the Brody for becoming an all-time 
career leader in NBA history in triple doubles, Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Shout out to oh, you yeah. for that, you know? Yo, so, it's crazy I mean, how they said. Awesome. Yeah. They said the first, what was it, the first seven or eight years of his, he only had like five or six triple doubles. So he went on this epic run within the last, like, Russell Westbrook, he's averaged a triple-double in four out of the last five seasons, which is crazy because that was a record. The last person to do it was Oscar Robinson 40-something years ago, back when Russell Russell Westbrook did it in his MVP season. But now the fact that he's done a triple-double within the four out of the past five years is just – it's crazy because people have the nerve to say, oh, it doesn't mean that much. Oh, he's stat chasing this, that, and third. And I'm thinking to myself, yo, you know how hard it is to chase a triple-double every night? Because it's not like he's just getting, like, barely 10 points or barely 10 rebounds or barely But let's, let's – again, LeBron James, and I hate to bring him up because, you know, all of a sudden, forcing, forcing LeBron in the conversation, but okay, fine. Not even LeBron. Let's, let's just talk Luca. When you're affecting the game, you're affecting the game. And there's just certain players who they affected James Harden because James Harden is up to his triple doubles. I think the new era player is different than the dominant player that we grew up seeing. In our time growing up, if you were the dominant player, you were outscoring everybody. And that's literally all you had to do. You were outscoring everybody. And maybe getting key defensive stops because that's what Michael Jordan did. Yeah. You know Reggie Miller with his random, with the random things that he did, or you know Hakeem Olajuwon who did dominate on defense, but he also was unstoppable on offense as well. We saw what dominance, you know, really equated to in that era of the NBA. Now dominance means that in every facet of the game, you're affecting the game. So yeah, it's great that you could give a give a team thirty. There are eight other guys who can do that now. There always have been, but now those eight other guys who can give you 30, they might also give you, guess what? Eight assists, nine rebounds, six yeah. or seven steals. Because remember, guys who can't even shoot threes are chasing triple doubles. Ben Simmons. And, and you would think like, okay, clear, Ben Simmons is faster and more athletic than 85% of the people he plays against. So he'll be able to scoot by and get his 10 points. Because that's literally what he's doing. What is he averaging, like 12, 13 points a game this year? And, and, mm-hmm. and most of them are pre-programmed. I can't believe it's not butter points because he's not shooting jumpers in any shape, size, or form. He's got oh, every right. shot in his arsenal inside of inside of the paint that does not involve actually jump shooting in any type of way. He jumps in the air. No. He shoots it, but it's not a jump shot. It's a running one-hand right. flip from, you know, whatever. Again, the do- we, Right, we've done we we've done enough Ben Summons please shoot jump shots podcast for probably the world over. And again, we'll celebrate just like everybody else when when and if he decides to deploy the jump shot as one of his weapons in his arsenal. Because again, I'm going to always remain a fan of someone who's as talented as he is. But getting back to the point with everybody has their own way nowadays of the elite of pushing the triple double situation. Anthony Davis can do it with blocks. Can he do it at a frequent level like Russell Westbrook does with triple doubles? No, because again, Russell is doing it points, rebounds, assists. 
So that's that three levels of, of the box score that everybody always sees. Mm-hmm. And when they show an NBA stat line, if you go and look on most major, most major websites, they'll show you who the team's stat leader was in three different categories. So we've gone, like you said, for what, five years of looking at four, anywhere four Russell out of the last five. So four out of the last five years, if you look at any box score where Russell Westbrook has played, in all likelihood, he was leading his team in one or three possible categories at any given time for the majority of the season. Mm-hmm. Because he's a guard averaging double-digit rebounds. Yeah. In an era where nobody's mad at Steph for only averaging five. Nobody's mad at you, you get what I'm saying? Like it's become a thing where point guards never really had the rebound. No. Magic grabbed a lot of rebounds, but he was six eight, six nine. Makes sense. Makes sense. You're a big guard, you should be that. Yeah. Well, watch well, again. So it, it, Russell Westbrook goes screaming pass to break that record. Magic. Yep. Absolutely. I, mean, I don't even know if Magic is top five. Is Magic top five in career triple doubles now? Oh yeah, Magic was third. Magic got hundred. Right? Yeah. Magic, Magic got hundred and um thirty-eight, if I'm not mistaken, hundred. And that and seems like baby food in comparison to the one eighty-one that 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 Westbrook has put up. Well, he tied the one eighty-one was the top, mm-hmm. um, and that was the record that stood since for forty. I think it was like forty-five years. Which is crazy because neither one now, of us. We is can, now we can. Now again, we can. Now we can. We can go ahead and focus on the fact that prior to Oscar Robinson's career, they weren't tracking triple doubles. Fair. The people who were available to have competed with him and possibly had more triple doubles than Oscar Robinson, there's only two other players: Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain. So you're talking about guys who are already enshrined who may have been deprived, just like the same way blocks are kind of inflated in the all-time career leader in blocks, because essentially very few of the great block shot blockers got all of their blocks counted. So Will didn't get all his shot blocks counted. Mm-hmm. Not even yeah, yeah, Russell, yeah. but Akeem did. Yeah. So Russell Westbrook nah, nah, took you're over right. a category that Russell Westbrook took over a category that, that obviously Oscar Robinson Pretty much sat unchallenged at, historically. So this is another this is another chamber in history being taken over by a current level player. And because of Russell's polarizing popularity, it's not necessarily being applauded and appreciated in the way that it could be. Changing mm-hmm. teams doesn't help. That's on Russ. You were Thunder. Then you were a rocket. Now you're a wizard. Mm-hmm. And, and and those two team changes are by your your own machination. You ask to be moved. So you, you are gonna take a level of I don't wanna call it, you know, PR negativity from it, but you that association with what's wrong with Russell Westbrook and the teams that he plays for is gonna follow you when a situation like that happens. So that's unfortunate a part of, of of how he's evaluated and looked at. And then, of course, is the fact that historically he's just not a good three-point shooter. So 
And then you also have to factor in he's only played in the finals once. And the one time he played in the finals, he played with two fellow future MVPs. So what type of team can you put Russell Westbrook on and win? And win big. And, and that's that's where we're at. And I think that's part of why he isn't as celebrated, but he's a force. He is a God-given force on the basketball court. And I'm, I'm happy that he's still able to sustain it considering how much of his game is built on him just flat out having better fast switch fibers than most of the people he's playing against. He's stronger, he's faster, he's more athletic. But he's also managed to bottle up his basketball IQ and become a great playmaker. You know, he passes ahead, which is a trait that a lot of guys who get easy assists do. That's something that they applauded the Ball brothers for doing when they scouted them. Oh, they get the ball and they immediately get it flying up the court and get those easy assists. That's the mark. That's a hallmark of a great playmaker because Magic used to do it and Larry Bird used to do it. So, you know, you see those guys and those guys are, you know, touted. Russell added that because Russell used to be the type of player who would miss guys on plays. Now he's, he's passing guys open and redirecting traffic and getting guys to easy baskets. And I remember seeing that transition take place when, you know, he lost KD. And my favorite play is when he hit the guy with the sham guy and then he did the funny kick and passed it to, I think, like Steven Adams for a dunk. Steven Adams, yeah. Oh. Yep, yep. That's one of my favorite, like, oh, Russell knows how to create for people, you know, moments. So it is great to see, see the Brody evolve. But, you know, you also have to be honest because, I'm sorry, bro, <laughs> James Harden was doing that when he was on your team that you didn't pick up on. You know? Yeah, but I mean... Let, everybody let, comes to their own at their own pace. Exactly. But also, to, to be able to do what he's doing at the rate he's doing, that, that's a thing. That's one thing about Westbrook, Russell Westbrook we can never dispute is the level of effort that he gets, right? It's just now equating into, yo, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna get this done. That will pop because again, yes, you could knock him, say, oh, he's been to the finals once. He's only got off the first round. He has, you know, he hasn't had much success in the playoffs. But he looks at it like, listen, I mean, that's not an easy feat to do. You know what I mean? And it, mm-hmm. we can debate about what player has done it by himself. You know what I mean? Especially in a league where it does an individual to be that successful, you know, to get teams to the, to the play, to not just to the playoffs, but to the championships, to win the championships. I past 20 years, we could probably play with multiple championships. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a, that's yeah. a whole, that's a, so that's a, so that's a very, a very difficult feat. I think issues that people have is, you since you're making all these triple doubles, they go want you to equate it to winning in the play. You look at his triple double record, his triple double stats. He's won like sixty five to seventy percent of the games since had a triple double. It's just that it, that has not turned into um, winning in the playoffs again. So, like I said, I mean, him too much because again, like I said, he did something that level of effort has to be commended. Because even think about this, if he never wins the championship, he's arguably the best player who's never won a championship. 
because he 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 goes past Barkley. He can. And what you see, listen, we're seeing we're seeing Russell Westbrook. Just when you look at the stats and the constant, as nice you could easily say Barkley took off. There was depending depending on how Barkley's career finished, you can say, yo, he teetered off tremendously. Phoenix, you know what I'm saying? Now again, some injuries have issues. Some and he he couldn't get past those. But you have to look at the Michael. A lot of people hate to forget Michael Jordan, or they don't put they omit Michael Jordan played for the Wizards. He wasn't he mm-hmm. wasn't super nice. He wasn't Michael Jordan on the Bulls nice. He was still nice for his age and the situation. But people forget that. So yes, he could be Russell Westbrook is now. Conversation to to possibly surpass Barkley. I'm not saying he would pass Barkley, but it's up for debate now. Whereas before, you might say, "Well, he," you know what I'm saying. But again, then you look at yourself like, "What was like that makes him say he was the best player?" Because some people say, "Well, statistically, Carl Malone. Why would Carl Malone be the best person?" You know what I mean? Like, you know, it just it's it's a it's a toss up. I think Russell Westbrook is not into that, knocked on that door and said, hey, look, I need a seat up in here. We're going to have to, we got to have some conversations because what he, that triple-double thing is, yo, that's hard to do. And you've done it four out of five times. At four, four, you have, and he's 11 and a half uh, rebounds, 11.8 assists. Like, it ain't like, that. that's hard to do. You know what I'm saying? Assist for a season, you know what I mean. Remember, remember that last um stat that I sent you was like in the month of April, he was averaging. Assist. It was like, yo, for the whole month, like that's crazy. That's that's again, like I said, hats off to him, you know what I mean. Like I said, I can't, I don't want to, and to know, and to know that your teammate who's a bucket is only really one of them. You got yeah. one guy who. He's a bucket, and everybody else is. Oh, please finish this. Yeah. So Russell is averaging twelve assists, eleven and a half boards, and twenty-two a game. Yeah, that says a lot, man. That says that that like that because because when I look at it, if if I was I was looking at it earlier, if I'm not mistaken. The only player in the NBA this season to be double digits in six. Uh, yes, I'm right. Matter of fact, Trey Young is next with four assists. So West, Westbrook is 11 point person is uh 9.4 person at 8.9. Other two people after that. So that's that again. You're averaging 10 assists is hard for a season. Let alone you're averaging on season, and you're doing it on the yeah. Wizards. Yeah, that's what. If imagine God, listen. Imagine if he still had the. He might be averaging eighteen a game, eighteen assists. If he still had KD and James, you know what I'm saying? Like, again, it's just it's a different it's a. Different, but like I said, hats off to him. I I I, I always give him that respect. Yeah. Do that, that level of effort and determination. 
you up. The, and again, that, that, up era, that era, that era of ridiculous assist numbers is never coming back. No matter how many different ways the NBA has tried to remodel the game to accelerate the scoring, they've never been able to duplicate singular players having these ridiculous assist averages. Mind you, Chris Paul is highly regarded as the best, you know, best living point guard in the game. And mm-hmm. he's high up there in career all-time assists. And what'd you say? Russell Westbrook is the only one averaging double digits assists this season? Back when yep. we were kids, you had John Stockton leading the league at 16 per game, and then you had somebody right underneath him like Magic at like 13, 12, 14. Well, let's yeah, go back somebody to like Mark Jackson. Right. Well, let's go back to how rebounding used to work where, what, Dennis Rodman would average, like, 17 rebounds a game and Kevin Garnett would be chasing him with, like, 15, 14, 15? Like, Russell's numbers, they go to an era that, like, don't exist anymore. Yeah. I'm looking at Brook is – he's number six in the NBA. In the league. He is (laughs) – listen – he is the only player in the top twenty that top is assist, passer, and scorer. Off rip. So at twenty-two, don't ask it. Is his twenty-two put him in the top? In the in? Well, he can't be top twenty. With no, he's not top twenty. He's probably no, no, no. top fifty. And is every position is center or power forward in the mm-hmm. top twenty? You don't get to point guard until who's at 21, who's averaging eight. So Westbrook is averaging three and a half rebounds a game more than the next point guard. And he's averaging, like I said, he's averaging more rebounds than Giannis, more rebounds than Joker. Westbrook is a top 25 scorer. He's 24. That is insane. That's what I'm saying. So Listen, yes, yes, he's not. When you you can nitpick him when it comes to the playoff season, you can nitpick him about not. You can nitpick about the three point Yes, but when you this is effort rebound. I've always learned as a kid, about effort. Are you willing to go that extra mile to go get it? Are you willing? That has to be a mindset. That has to trigger in your mindset. And centers are already down there because again, that most. 6'10", 6'11", 7 feet, or that's deemed centers, the tradition started, you, the tallest guy gets as close to the basket as possible because it increases your field goal percentage and also you can mm-hmm. get the rebound. But is top six the point guard who, no matter what era you're in, is insane you wait, you're a point guard of six in the whole league? Nah, what is it? Who is that? Let's, put it, that's what I'm let's put it in perspective. Let's give it even more perspective because, again, this has become, you know, the Westbrook tribute. So let's do him fair justice. The current top three candidates for MVP right now in the league, you would say is Vucevic, Embiid, and probably um, no. Randall, right? Not Vucevic, but you know what I mean. Joker, Joker, Joker. Embiid. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. Hey, some people say Park. Chris Paul, right? Maybe. I, I, would, I would say, yeah, you could say Embiid, yeah. Joker. That, that makes for a nice four-way. Oh, Embiid, yeah, Rand, Randall, yeah. 
Randall and Russell Westbrook. Yes. Russell Westbrook is scoring two points less than Randall and scoring almost two more rebounds a game and six, seven more assists. Six. Six. Because Randall's mm-hmm. at six. So we'll give Russell 12. Mm-hmm. And B, he's out-rebounding by four rebounds. He's only scoring six points less per game, and he's giving you nine more assists. The Joker, he's only being outscored by four points a game, one rebound, and the Joker is giving you almost eight assists. He's giving you 8.4. This MVP race is going to be weird. I think if Philadelphia clinches the best record in the East, then Embiid probably gets the MVP. Say that again. I think if Philadelphia, which they have, right? They clinched the yeah, they clinched the best record in the East. Mm-hmm. I think Embiid is going to be the MVP. Uh, I don't know. I think they're going to give it to Jokic. Listen, if you watch ESPN, they already gave it to him. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I don't. I don't know where he's at with how many games he actually played. And I know there's a lot of these voters that take that away from him. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's only, he's only played 51 games now. And the Joker's played 21, 20 more games than him. 24 and his games team more. So, have a better record. And his team doesn't have a better record. No, his team does not. Uh, but they will say. They will. People will look at it like that. Twenty games is a big difference, but that uh, wins over replacement balances it back out. Because if he's only played, if he's played in a fourth less game and his team has a better record than yours, that means that his on court winning percentage in the lead, in, a, in a smaller sample size, he's won at a higher clip. Forty three. Well, let's let's be. Brooklyn and Philadelphia have almost the same exact record. They agree. Philadelphia only has a one game. Philadelphia almost has the same record as, as Denver. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So they basically about the same record. So I think I think they will. I think give it to the only reason because because again they they be for winning the Rookie of the Year games. I don't mm-hmm. think they'll give him MVP because he's in that same boat with not necessarily playing enough games or what they deem as enough games. And, and I listen, if they were to do that, I couldn't say that they're wrong. If I mean, he had I, I, this season, he wanted to be MVP across the board. He wanted to be the All Star Game MVP, which he couldn't because of COVID. And he wanted to be the MVP of the, the regular season. So that might yeah. be taken from him just because of his inability to lace up enough games, like you said, as per the voters to determine it. But um, it goes without saying that it's between those two and the next NBA MVP is going to be a four-on-one player. Mm-hmm. Another four-on-one player. So we're going from Giannis to possibly Embiid or, or, or the Joker. Yeah, and that goes to show that the game is truly international. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, again, I can um, I wouldn't be mad. I mean, like I said I would, I want as I say, as a Knicks fan, I'm gonna be biased, but Julius Randle. 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 
Yeah, he should at least get. He should at least finish. A, he finish at like, least. Yeah, because, if he gets one vote, he's going to be a top five MVP vote recipient because. What do they usually have, like 10 candidates, and then they, they spread the votes across? Because remember, when Steph won, he was the first time unanimous MVP, which yeah. reflected the fact that we get a Rob Shaq. But anyways, without even going that far, the point is, mm-hmm. MVP votes, just because you're in the MVP ballot, doesn't mean you're going to get votes. So if Randall were to finish with even a vote from any of those people who have an eligible vote, that's going to say a lot. I'm going to say a lot. Mm-hmm. Does he deserve probably more than a vote? I would think so when you are considering essentially what he's done this year is equivalent to, not equivalent to, but it's close to what happened when Amari Stoudemire came. Except Amari Stoudemire only had to do it in one season. This is Randall's second in New York. Mm-hmm. So remember, Amari played one season in New York and they were all of a sudden the fourth seed. So, yeah. Was it the fourth seed? I made it the fourth seed, right? Amari, that's uh, that first season year. back with, with him and Dan Tony. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the fourth or fifth seed. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, they had to force mellow ones in the roster and so on and so forth. But I think that mixed team was a fourth or fifth seed. But the point is, we haven't seen a big man come turn around New York like that since since Amari did it. So, and mm-hmm. he's proven, and it's been proven that of all of these franchises to flip and make it to a New York is the hardest. I don't yeah. think you can really debate it. I don't think you can really debate it. For some reason, mm-hmm. with all of the circumstances that had to be overcome to make New York successful again, it was the hardest to do. I mean, look at all the things, like literally piece by piece. Okay, we got a bad owner, but what can we do to insulate ourselves from a bad owner? We got to keep good management. Right, yeah. We haven't had good management. All right, we finally got good management. All right, now that we got good management, what else we need? We need a coach. All right, well, let's try this guy out because he's young and he's coached here and he was successful. I didn't work out with Fisdale. All right, well, let's bring in somebody who knows how to win, but you know, they're not going to be afraid of the monster that is New York. Okay, we bring in Thibodeau. All these these dominoes that like all these other franchises take for granted. So, you know, Oklahoma City's got, you know, Sam Presby sitting in a war room full of draft picks till 2020,000, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so on and so on with all these other great GMs. But the, the the matriculation of their management and everybody that they have in their structure, it doesn't. It, New York really had to work their way through it, and for it to all come together this season, it's been a beautiful thing. So I'm looking forward to seeing how New York takes their future, especially this this playoff berth. So congratulations mm-hmm. to the city of New York. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're they're, they're 19 games. Yeah, they're 19 games better. Last, but they've done it in. 10 games less. So there's a possibility if they win tomorrow, there'll actually be 20 games, uh, 20 game win improvement in, in 10 games. So 82 games last year to make 21. This year, mm-hmm. they're already at 40 wins in 71, 71 games. You know, Which again, this could have been a 50 win season. If y'all had a full eighty-two, you just could have been a fifty-one season. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It could have. It, could it would have been. been. I mean, it would have been. It would have been real tough. But yeah. But it would have been. It would have been at least forty-five. Yeah. Which is like again. Yeah. You're talking. But I mean, about... again, Calvin, 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 Listen. And when we're charting growth and improvement, it matters. But now Absolutely. the Knicks have officially seen over the fence. Yeah. 
And now they're on the real clock. Because now we know that y'all can see over the fence. What do y'all, because before, remember, y'all couldn't even, couldn't even get them over the fence. No. Couldn't even go and get them over the fence to see what was going on in the yard back there. They had to watch it on pay-per-view. It's been eight, it's been eight years. So, you know, again, it, it goes without saying, and it goes with saying, like, the, the Knicks deserve that salute. And if your team, if your team, if you're a Phoenix Suns fan and you're a fan of this podcast, I, I want to salute you. Job well done this season. Tremendous mm-hmm. job well done, Phoenix Suns fans. Tremendous. We underestimated you. We over here yeah. from the clutch. We owe y'all an apology for not properly forecasting what y'all had in play. We did say that Chris Paul was going to make y'all improve, but whew, yeah, possibly y'all won fifty games in a seventy game season. Y'all won fifty in a seventy game season. Fifty. Yeah. That's that's, crazy. that's putting your that's putting your foot to the gas and pushing it pushing the pedal through the frame type of winning right. Mm-hmm. So kudos to you. Kudos to the city of Philadelphia. Y'all held firm. Y'all held firm. We we hear views from the clutch. We don't necessarily owe y'all an apology because again, y'all 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 not on the clock until now. We told y'all Doc Rivers was gonna give y'all what a six 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 hundred plus season. And what do you get? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's look at the stats. The, the 76 ers are gonna have a sixty seven percent win. <laughs> we told you what you get with Doc Rivers. He's a six fifty plus regular season coach. Y'all got that. That's yep. Y'all got that. Y'all got that. But now y'all on the real clock. Now, now, now you can really go back and say, is it the coach's fault? Mm-hmm. Because Brett Brown got y'all to the playoffs. Y'all just didn't look good. Now y'all gotta yeah. look good. Now y'all gotta look good. And it's Eastern Conference Finals a bust when you're the number one seed. Just ask Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee's chilling. Milwaukee's chilling. Now, obviously, Giannis has different expectations. He wants to win. He's Listen, he's been at the top of the mountain. He wants he wants to get there. Listen, yeah. man, we're looking forward to an amazing postseason. We appreciate all the support that you guys have given us. We look forward to giving out more great episodes. On this note, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this one. If you would like to join us, you can do so by following us on any of the podcasting platforms we're hosting. You can reach us directly at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Find us on social media at views from the clutch on Instagram, Facebook. And TikTok. On that note, I'm going to say peace.